Welcome back to Beyond the Badgers on WSUM 91.7 FM here in Madison. Not the familiar voice of Mr. Patrick Sexton. He is out today, unfortunately. He is coaching the Middleton Cardinals. Shout out Middleton Cardinals real quick. Uh, good luck today. They got a big game, a little scrimmage action with the season starting up. Uh, should be should be good for Patrick. But we do have good news. My man Dubs back and better than ever. And we have a special host, co-host, I should say, Mr. Peter Frommelt. He's got Dan. How are you today? I'm great. I'm ready to talk. I'm ready to talk sports, Dan. What? Uh, you got any hot takes? Because we're we're prone to hot takes on the show. Prone to hot takes. Hmm. All right. I got I got a little something for you. All right. Give me give me your hottest take right now, and then we'll get into uh, a little first five five in the first five. Nice, nice, nice. Um, I saw this ESPN thing the other day talking about. Zion Williamson, who's just an absolute animal. He is. He is. He is good. huge. He's um, and he weighs 285, which is more than Khalil Mack weighs. So really, could Duke basketball beat the Chicago Bears? Dude, Duke basketball could easily beat the Chicago Bears. Food for thought. Food for thought. Mitch Trubisky, though, kind of nice. Kind of nice. Kinda Dubs. Nice. Dubs. Say hi to the people, please. Yeah, um, it's good to be back. Uh, to I agree with you, Dan. Mitch Trubisky, very nice. Um, so, speaking of Zion Williamson, his team has made a lot of noise at the start of the year with other freshmen such as Trey Jones and R.J. Barrett, which makes me ask ask you, Peter and Dan, can this team could this team beat the Michigan Fab Five? Now, that's an interesting question because I saw on first take, Mr. Jalen Rose, big Jalen Rose fan, is saying Zion wouldn't even start. On the Fab Five, which is absolutely preposterous. That's a ridiculous take. But I think that they would beat them. You think Duke basketball would beat yes. the Fab Five? I think so, too. I think it's it's a little early, though. Yeah. I mean, it is a little early. But if you look at the players they have around Zion, too, it's ridiculous. This one freshman hit, I think, like eight threes the other night. Yeah, I mean, Zion wasn't even the number one player in the nation coming in. I mean, they're just loaded, man. Yeah, R.J. Barrett is an absolute savage. Um, he's actually, I think, the best player on the team. He's better than Williamson, but... The thing about Williamson is he's so freaky that people love him. People love him, and I don't. I think a lot of people are sleeping on Bucky basketball. Ooh, I think Hap and you had Zion to sneak, and the post. You had to sneak that in there, huh? I had to. You got to shout out my boy Hap. Uh, we're best friends, pretty much. That's cool. And I think I think in the post, I think if you put Hap on Zion, I don't think he could do much. What? That's I mean, a hot. Thought, that thought, is thought, a hot take. I thought you said you like hot takes. I gave you a hot take. Did you? Hot Wait, take. you just said you don't think Zion could do much on, on Ethan Happ? <laughs> That's exactly what I said. I think oh. Brad Davison, with all his grit, could, could even stop him. Oh, my God. Dubs, get to the next one. All right, number two, the, the the Steelers throttled the Panthers on Thursday night. Can we legitimately say they're back to being Super Bowl contenders? Uh, um, yes. Yes, we can. I think so, too. Uh, I got Big Ben and Juju on my fantasy team. Oh, you're talking about fantasy, eh? Well, I, I'm just saying I'm a little biased because – you know, I need them to do well. I'm sitting at 5-5. Five and five. That is but, pretty biased. Um, I do think that they are Super Bowl contenders. I think if you're a Pats fan, you are peeing yourself a little bit. Don't sleep like on the it. Chiefs, baby. I mean, I'm not sleeping on the Chiefs. Uh, yeah, the Steelers, spoiler alert, the Steelers are going to make it into my top five this week. Uh, but I like the Steelers a lot, even though Le'Veon, they just announced today, will not play this season. Unreal. James Connors looked very good in... Uh, his absence, so to answer your question, Dubs, yes. Uh, James Conner is playing at Pro Bowl level. I agree with you guys. Uh, so the Jaguars, kind of the surprise of the year, at 3-6 and six now. Can we say that Doug Marone's on the hot seat now? 
even after taking his team to the AFC Championship? I I think that's a little preposterous. I mean, he did sit Blake. He sat Blake Bortles a couple weeks ago and put in their trash, trash backup. But I actually like that coaching move. Cody Kessler. Yeah, I think he's I think he's on his toes, trying to keep his players on his toes. I just think Jalen Ramsey needs to just shut up. Yeah. You can't sit yeah. at three and six and continually talk trash to every player. You, I mean, I don't I don't feel confident against with the Jaguars against Eli Manning. Yeah, uh, that locker room's got to be just up for grabs. I bet. I mean, it's uh, just crazy. The the biggest thing for the Jaguars is they've had a little a couple injuries. AJ Bouye didn't play yesterday. Fournette's been out a while, and the lack of emergence of Mr. Blake Bortles has mm-hmm. really hurt them because, like I said, the, with Fournette out, you got to throw the ball. Nobody is going to respect Mr. Blake Bortles. That's just a fact right now in his stage of his career. So it's tough to uh, tough to get anything going on the offensive side, and the defense has been. Not as great as it should have been coming into this season. Dubs, what do we got? Yeah, defense needs to turn that around. Okay, so big, big news in the NBA. Jimmy Butler got shipped to Philadelphia finally um, in exchange for Dario Sarek and Robert Covington. I got to ask you guys, between the Celtics, uh, the Raptors at 11-1, and need I say, and now the Philadelphia 76ers, who's the team to beat in the East? Ooh, who do you got? Um, I think it's a clear choice here. The Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> you didn't even mention the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, I can't even Completely. believe you didn't mention the Bucks. I forgot about the Bucks. So you're taking the Bucks? Absolutely. You're a Milwaukee guy, so that's kind of biased. I mean, let, let me ask you this, Dan. How do you feel about that trade? I thought it was just awful for the Timberwolves. See, a lot of people are saying it was awful, but I liked it as a Timberwolves fan because, A, you get rid of Jimmy Buckets, who has been cancer. Cancer. B, it wasn't going to work anyways. C, you get two reliable... Uh, one's a veteran. Covington's a three and D guy, which the the Timberwolves have desperately needed. And Sarge is a good young player. He's only twenty four. And then their contracts are very very nice. Uh, they're very well paid, not overpaid. So I love the move. Yeah, and personally, I haven't heard of the two guys who got traded to the Timberwolves. Get out of here, dude. Prior to the trade, so I was a little taken aback. Um, I thought they just picked up two Jimbo's from off the street and gave them to the Timberwolves. <laughs> Couple of jabronis coming. Couple off of the jabronis, street. which would be very Timberwolves. It was tough. I like how you put the Timber Bulls in there. It was very tough to not get a first-round pick out of the deal yeah. because Houston's saying they'll get four up for them, and we don't even get one mm. from the Sixers. That's tough. That's tough. What do we got, Dubs? All right, final final question here. Mitchell Trubisky improved his numbers to 19 touchdowns and seven interceptions as the Bears improved to 6-3 and three this week. Can we finally say Mitchell Trubisky is a legit quarterback in the NFL? No, absolutely not. No, he's Absolutely garbage. Absolutely <laughs> not. Wow. I think he's kind of like Jared Goff. He's kind of a system guy. Matt Nagy comes like in. System fits in well with him. He has been very solid over the past six weeks. I mean, l- let's be clear. I mean, I feel like the Bears always do this. Um, I had a buddy text me last uh, when the Bears played the Lions at home, um, and they were doing well. They were up like three touchdowns, something like that. Um, Cody Park, Cody Parker, Cody Parkey on the Parkey, hot seat, by the Parkey. way. Parkey. It's a side take, but – Hot seat. He he texted me twenty dollars on the Bears Super Bowl right now. I did. And I was that. like, and I was like, hey, I can't, I can't place a bet mid game. And then in the fourth quarter, he texted me. Actually, we, we don't look that good. Uh, cancel the bet. <laughs> I feel like that's what the Bears do. You know, they look good. He's gonna look great, but he's just gonna crumble. I don't even think they take the NFC North. Yeah. It, it's a big game Sunday night. If I mean, the, huge. If that the will be Bears win the NFC North, I'll cry. <laughs> There's no way they can win the NFC. I still North. think the Packers have it. 
Well, agree to disagree. All right, let's move on. What do we got trivia? A little trivia. So the Philadelphia Eagles, the Super Bowl winners of last year, dropped to 4-5, and five, losing at home at Sunday night. Sheesh. That was embarrassing. Dan, Peter. It was even more embarrassing if you bet on the Cowboys. Oof. Yeah. Uh, Dan and Peter, I got to ask you guys. Do you guys know the last Super Bowl winner to not make the playoffs the following year? Hmm. Uh, you got to give me some time to think about it. Last Super Bowl winner to not make the playoffs. I don't know. Maybe the maybe uh, maybe the Giants, but I don't know. Um, that might be a good take. Eli stinks. Yeah, he's not good. <laughs> hey, who we won? People are sleeping on. He won yesterday. I mean, he, uh, he, oh, no. I mean, the announcers were lighting him up. He beat the 49ers and what? he got two huge side uh, note. bailout penalties at the end there. Do you like the 49ers? Or I mean, not the 40. Do you like the Monday Night Football announcers? Um, I think they get. I think they get a lot of heat. They get a lot of heat. I, th- I actually don't think Jason Witten is that bad. I think Booger McFarland's hilarious. I and like Booger. He's he's pretty good. I think he just gets put in a like put in a really tough spot. Like how are you supposed to be a good announcer sitting where he's sitting every game? Just like yeah, it's tough. Yeah, he just looks like a moron. So like you think he sounds like a moron, but he's actually not that bad. All right, Dubs, I have an answer for you, and I'm going to go. Do I have to say like, the year or just um, the team? You can give me the team. I, that's fine. I am going to go with the Oakland Raiders. Wow. That would be turning back the clock, but no, it was actually two years ago. Wait, Fromm, do you have a pick? Mr. Peter? Who, who, who won two years ago? No, I, two or three. Um, oh, then it would have been? It was after Peyton Manning retired. Oh, Denver? Yep. Uh, Shoot. I should have known that. Uh, that was recent. It was the Denver Broncos. You're nice. kind of tricky, dude. Yeah, I mean, you guys you guys got to get going on these trivia, man. I yeah, mean, maybe I should ease well. it back for you guys or something. Oh, my God. Get, right. Come get get some slack first week on the show. Uh, all right, before we get to our interview, let's do a little power rankings, boys. A little NFL power rankings. Peter, since you're the guest, mm-hmm. why, don't we go, why don't you go first? You can go one to five or five to one. It really is up to you. All right, all right, let's do this. Um, all right, let's go, let's go five to one because I'm, I'm going to have some extremely hot takes coming down the street. You're just going to say stuff to say stuff. I'm not going to say stuff to say stuff. I have, I have great takes. I'm thinking playoffs. Okay. I'm thinking playoffs. All right. Um, Let's go five. I got the Steelers. I got the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think like they look it. unbelievable. I like think it. Le'Veon, that pressure's off. Yep. I mean, they're focused on football. I think they look great. Um, let's go four. I have – all right, let me, let me switch around my picks here. I got five, Carolina. I still think Carolina's a really good team. I got four, Pittsburgh – Three, I got the Green Bay Packers. Okay. Two, I got the Los Angeles Rams. One, I got Kansas City. I'm keeping the Patriots out. You don't even have New Orleans in? I would like to switch the Panthers with the Saints and not think about that. (laughs) I was going to say, wait a second. Uh, I don't trust the Saints. That's a homer pick with the Packers, but whatever. Dobbs, what do you got? All right. I got the James Conner-led, Big Ben-led Steelers at five. Uh, The Patriots at four, still sitting pretty at 7-3. Okay. Um, The the Rams, big injury though to note about Cooper Cup. That's torn that's ACL. Um, they're at three, and uh, then the Chiefs missed a couple of games. I I feel like they're not going to be damaged by that at all. Yeah, the defense too is a concern, but um, the Chiefs at two, Mahomes is lighting it up. He's pretty good. And then the New Orleans Saints putting up a fifty ball at fifty number burger, one. fifty burger. You missed that. You missed that opportunity, <laughs> Dubs. I, I'm a on, basketball man. guy. I'm a basketball guy. I had to go with the ball. Clearly, I'm sorry. Uh, mine is very similar to yours, Dobbs. I got Patriots at five. I cannot put them ahead of the Steelers just for the simple fact that the Steelers murdered the Panthers in cold blood on Thursday night. Mm-hmm. 
I got them at four, and then L.A., Kansas City, and the New Orleans Saints. Kind of nice. Now, one thing we like to do on the show is spit hot takes, but another is provide locks, a.k.a. make you money. Our man, our co-host, Mr. Peter Frommelt, you have a lock of the night tonight. I do. Before we get to our NFL and college football locks, give us your lock of the night. All right. Um, I, I must say I don't usually give out my picks for free just because they're, uh, yep. they're so money-making. Um, but I'm going to do it because, you know, I'm a guest on your show. That's and I want nice to make you get some money. Nice of you. Um, Bucky tonight at Xavier. Big game. Big basketball. game. We're talking college basketball. Big game. I'm ready to love again since our football team stinks. True. Um, I got a nice little teaser here for you. I got. Oh, we're going teaser? Oh, we're going teaser, yeah. I'm going Bucky, pick him. Okay. Um, but I'm going to tease that with the over. You gotta bet the over. You gotta bet the over. Life's I mean, too short to bet the over. So it's Bucky plus five, and then the over would be at one thirty-two. It's low. It's low. It's a lock. Lock it in. Lock it up. You're welcome. Buy yourself something nice. Buy your mom something nice. Take that to the bank, please. And find me on Venmo if if, if it hits, because I need some money. I do appreciate that pick. We will be right back, and when we come back on the other side of the break, we will have your interview. Oh, we forgot even to mention that. We have a huge guest on the show. It's the your Wisconsin women's hockey coach, Mark Johnson. His jersey's getting retired by the men's program on in February, excuse me. His team's eleven and one. Played on the nineteen eighty Olympic team. Uh if you didn't know, Miracle, watch the movie. Lot to get to, lot to talk about with Marky Mark, so don't miss it on the other side of the break. You're listening to 91.7 WSUM, Madison Student Radio. Looking for another way to support WSUM while also looking fresh? You've come to the right place. You can rep your favorite college radio station by purchasing official WSUM merch. Visit our website at wsum.org and click on the shop button where you can browse through t-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, and much more. Whatever the weather, WSUM has you covered. Joining us now is current University of Wisconsin women's hockey coach, Mark Johnson. Mark, thanks for taking the time to uh, sit down and talk with us. My pleasure. Look forward to it. Um, Mark, obviously, um, very historic career, playing, coaching, um, very humble person, probably wouldn't say that yourself. Um, maybe just talk a little bit about um, what it meant for you to to come to Madison, play for your father here um, with UW, have such a, a successful career here at UW, and then eventually come back and coach? I was, I think, for you know a lot of young players when I was growing up in Madison, uh, you know, there weren't a, really a lot of Americans playing in the National Hockey League, so our idols and our teams that we followed were, you know, mostly related to college teams, and, uh, you know, if you're in Madison, you watch the Badgers, and I always maybe dreamed one day of getting the opportunity to put that jersey on and, and playing in front of your you know, your home fans and getting a chance to, to wear the Badger jerseys. So there was a handful of us uh, when I was growing up, Bobby Suter, the brother Johnny Suter, and eventually Gary Suter, uh, myself, uh, Lee Skelly, and, you know, several other guys that grew up in Madison playing against each other. Eventually got to wear the Wisconsin jersey and uh, it was a treat, it was a pleasure. Uh, it was sort of the hot sport uh, at that time uh, when we were growing up. Uh, our football team wasn't as good as they are today and certainly our basketball team wasn't anywhere near where our basketball teams have been in the last 15 years. So, you know, Friday night and Saturday night at the Coliseum, sold out crowds and getting a chance to play in, in front of them was certainly something very special. 
uh, you mentioned there weren't very many players for you guys, American-born players, sorry, playing in the National Hockey League for you to look up to. Did you have any other role models um, that you looked up to in college or if there were any in the NHL? Uh, well, I mean, you know, growing up, uh, you know, I started Bob, Bobby Orr and, and Bobby Hull and Stan Makita and, and the players that played during their time. Uh, but, uh, you know, as a college town and certainly having your dad coach a college team, uh, you know, we were really sort of focusing on what was in front of us, uh, you know, without social media and things today that uh, kids have. Uh, you know, you're sort of entrenched in a cocoon in, in Madison. Obviously, every once in a while you could maybe sneak down and watch the Blackhawks play because it wasn't too far away. But, uh, you know, it was all about college hockey. Uh, you know, when you got to high school, it was all about high school hockey and, uh, you know, competing against each other. We had some great rivalries between, uh, you know, the teams that I played on and Bobby Suter's team on the east side and, uh, you know, made it a great competition. And then, you know, for both of us, we got a chance to play together at Wisconsin. So uh, the rivalries that existed then between us and Minnesota or Michigan or Notre Dame or Michigan State, uh, you know, made uh, the competition very intense and certainly uh, in the big picture, you know, made us better players and eventually uh, for both of us got a chance to play on the Olympic team in 1980 and then for myself got to go and play, you know, 11 seasons and actually get paid to play, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, it was a great stepping stone uh, and certainly very fortunate and lucky to have, uh, you know, an opportunity to do that. You've had so many accolades, specifically in hockey, and you get to add another one to your resume um in february you get to see your number 10 up in the raptor rafters excuse me next to your dad uh bob johnson what how special will that be um seeing your jersey being retired by uh the men's team uh it, it's going to be exciting it's going to be uh, you know probably a little nerve-wracking for yeah. me uh <laughs> just you know stepping on the ice and, and, and watching it uh, i know when i got the call from Coach Alvarez, uh, you know, you're sort of a little numb, and you know, as time has gone on, you know, probably about a week's gone by, uh, you know, you start thinking about uh, and the meaning of it. Uh, you know, it's it's going to be pretty cool. I know my mm -hmm. family's really excited. Uh, my mom lives in town now, and so uh, it's going to be a real cool evening. Uh, but again, when you're growing up, uh, you know, you're not thinking about those type of things, uh, those things over the long period of time. And if you've had success at different areas and different levels, uh, you know, those things. Uh, you know, for lucky, you know, for the lucky few, get an opportunity to experience that. But uh, as I reflect, I look back. Uh, you know, hockey's provided me, you know, great opportunities, uh, <clears throat> unbelievable experiences that uh, I've been fortunate to be part of, and certainly mm -hmm. memories that uh, you know anybody that's got a chance to play at Wisconsin, whether it was during my era or during uh, you know the '80s or '90s, or I had an opportunity to coach. Uh, you know, those players had some unique opportunities and. You know, you take away some great memories and probably equally as important, you take away some great friendships that you had during that time. And mm -hmm. I was lucky. I had, I had a lot of good players uh, that yeah. I played with. Uh, you know, you talk about Mike Eaves or Steve Alley or John Taft or Craig Norwich, uh, Mike Meeker, Les Grower, players that played uh, when I was coming in. And, uh, you know, you know, you could be a part of that. Uh, I know my freshman year, the biggest hurdle I had to get over was, uh, you know, having my dad as a coach. and. Yeah trying to get everybody to understand that, uh, you know, I was a good enough player to, to play at that level. But, uh, you know, you're never going to get that out of everybody's mind. And so I was lucky that first year to have a very good team. And, uh, you know, we ended up winning the national championship. And I guess through winning and having success individually or as a team probably, uh, you know, diffused some of those critics that uh, thought mm -hmm. that the only reason I was playing at Wisconsin was because uh, was of my dad. So that, that helped out a lot. Now, you mentioned that 1980 Olympic experience. 
obviously, Patty's a Canadian, so he doesn't appreciate it as much. But uh, when I was growing up, yeah, when I was growing up, we were we were watching that uh, specifically the movie religiously, and Al Michaels on the call there. Um, when Herb Brooks was coaching that team, and you go through all the all the training and all the all the practices, and then the games eventually to the to the Olympic Games. Um, how special was that experience? And before and leading up to the games, did you ever think you could actually win the gold medal and beat the Soviets? Well, the overall experience was, uh, you know, was something. You know, we're still talking about it. You know, close mm-hmm. to forty years later, uh, which is mind-boggling to me. Because, <laughs> Uh, you know, going into the Olympics, hockey wasn't going to be the main uh, sport people were interested in. It was more about what Eric Hyden, who I grew up playing hockey with here in Madison, was going to do and, you know, what some figure skaters and downhill skiers were going to do. Uh, and certainly as the tournament went uh, went on and we ended up beating the Czech team in, in our second game and actually blew them out pretty good, uh, mm-hmm. people started to take attention to us. But uh, the overall experience, uh, you know, was something that was very unique, something very special. Uh, something that I don't think you could ever duplicate again just because we have pros now playing and you know just the way the climate the atmosphere was uh, around the world at that time uh, everything sort of game together and all of a sudden everybody started focusing on a a couple games uh, during the Winter Olympics Uh, Mm -hmm. I think what is unique about the Olympics is you know during that two-week period you know, everybody's supposed to put down their guard. And, you know, whatever is going on in the world, everybody just sort of takes a breath for a couple of weeks and lets uh, let the Olympic Games go on. And obviously the magnitude of what was going on at that time, uh, not sure a lot of people uh, or a lot of countries were doing it. But, uh, you know, it, it was something that I'd say, uh, again, only 20 of us got to go through it. And, uh, you know, one's gone now with Bobby passing a couple of years ago. And mm-hmm. so there's only 19 around uh, that uh, that experienced it, but it, it was something that uh, you know when people find out that you are part of it, uh, their eyes pucker up a little yeah. bit and they start asking questions. So it's pretty cool. Now my eyes are puckering up, and I'm going to ask a couple more questions from that, specifically from the movie. How closely did the movie portray the actual events of the whole tournament and the games? Um, and then were you happy with the actor that portrayed you? Did he make you, did he make you look pretty good? Well, he was better looking than I was. Oh, come on. That was a first step. Uh, but, uh, no, the movies, I don't know what the percentage, probably 70% accurate, but uh, obviously they, they changed some storylines, made the endings a little bit different. What I tell people is uh, it actually makes Herb Brook out to be a nice guy. He was, uh, <laughs> he, was uh, he was tough on us on day one, and probably the most difficult and challenging practice we had was after we beat the Russians Friday night. We, you know, we practiced Saturday, and everybody was feeling pretty good about the way the game went and our opportunity that was ahead of us. But Herb was about as ornery, as angry as we had seen him all year because uh, he didn't want us to screw it up. And so uh, it, uh, it was a good movie. Uh, from the standpoint of uh, it got the real essence of, of who we were and, and what we are about and how we came together the team and uh, really became close-knit uh, even though we were arch rivals coming into training camp and mm-hmm. you know, guys that played at Minnesota guys that played at Wisconsin those Boston universities guys thought they had the best hockey players in their part of the country so <laughs> it created a, a unique atmosphere but uh, the bottom line and when you de- you know dig below the layers uh, the friendships that were developed amongst all of us uh, were real solid and helped us uh, get an opportunity to have success obviously uh, you just mentioned about 70% probably roughly is was accurate one of the most famous scenes, at least among hockey guys, I remember everybody hates to bag skate. And the scene in the movie where Herb just yells again about a hundred times, the lights go out um, as the guys skate back and forth. Was that actually 
a, a real event that actually happened? Uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was pretty accurate. Uh, on the bench prior to the end of the game, I don't think we were looking at the girls up in the crowd <laughs> as the movie portrayed it, which got steam coming out of Herbie's ears. But mm-hmm. uh, no, it was pretty accurate. He wasn't, uh, he wasn't over, overall pleased with uh, the way we had played that game as a team that we should have beaten you know, pretty handily. Uh, the only change was uh, the ending wasn't uh, fully accurate. Uh, <laughs> As I say it, and Mike also attests to it, it's the best line that uh, Rizzioni never said. But, uh, <laughs> uh, so it, it had a little different uh, flavor at the end of it because uh, I was actually involved in the, in the ending of it where uh, the guy, after probably half an hour of skating, the guy who was running the rink wanted to obviously go home. We had just been through a whole game. and mm-hmm. uh, So he turned all the lights off. All we had was auxiliary lights. So every once in a while, Herb would give us an opportunity to catch our breath and give us a, a lap to do that in. And... You know, in certain parts of the ice, you couldn't see because it was so dark. So I ended up breaking my stick against the plexiglass. And, uh, Herb wasn't too pleased about that and made a mention about if somebody does that again, we're going to skate till uh, breakfast time. So a couple more of those, and then uh, then we were done. We had to play the same team the next night. And so obviously we wanted to get back to the hotel and uh, get something to eat. And I think we ended up winning, I don't know, it was 8-1 or 9 nothing the next mm-hmm. night. So I think yeah. his message was loud and clear. Um, obviously, probably the last last question I'll have in regards to the Olympic stuff, the 1980 uh, experience, just because I'm sure you get it all the time. Um, that that game against the Soviet Union, um, you scored two goals, one in the, the dying seconds of the first period. Um, you guys go on to win that game at, you know, guys that are 18 to 22 years old. Um, Might have been maybe a little bit difficult to, to appreciate the what you guys had just accomplished and everything that was going on in the world at the time, as you mentioned again, it was almost four years ago. Is that something you look back on now and realize how monumental that moment was, not only for yourself, but for USA hockey and just for the country in general? Well, I think it had a lot of uh, impact in, in a lot of different areas. Uh, obviously, at the time, people were looking something to smile about and, and, and really to be happy about. And as silly as it seems, uh, you know, a hockey game in the middle of the Adirondack Mountains in a town of you know 2,500 people had an impact on a lot of people's lives just uh, for an opportunity to put a smile on their face because, uh, you know, things weren't really uh, pleasant around the world and, you know, people were looking for something to have hope on. Uh, and so here comes this hockey team. The hard part was that without technology that we have today, you know, the, the players and, and the fans that were, you know, part of it in Lake Placid had no idea what was going on outside of Lake Placid because you just didn't have the, you know, the whereabouts of what was happening. And so until we actually left and uh, ended up uh, on that Monday after our gold medal ceremony when we flew down to the White House and had uh, lunch with the president, uh, did you really get a sense of uh, the impact that uh, that event was going to have on not only ourselves but certainly a nation? And you know, over the next couple of weeks and in the next couple of months, uh, you really got a feel of, of what this impact uh, might end up happening. And uh, it was pretty crazy. And, uh, you know, you weren't ready for it. I mean, at no point did I think any of us thought we were going to win the gold medal. I think if we put a script together, if things went really well, we'd have a chance at the bronze or maybe an outside chance at the silver. But I think it was a given that, you know, the Russians who had beaten an NHL all-star team, you know, six months before Lake Placid, you know, six to nothing. I mean, who are we to say that we're even going to be in a hockey game with them? And, 
And so, uh, you know, we set our eyes on, uh, you know, some short-term goals, and certainly in the, in the rushing game was to try to stay as close as we could for as long as we could and give ourselves an opportunity to, to maybe do something in the third period. And when you, you look at the game, it sort of happened that way. When I scored with one second to go, we go in the locker room, very excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the task at hand was a little bit not easier, but a little bit manageable because now you only had to play two more periods. And then <laughs> even being down three to two going into the third, it was like, you know, if there's any way we can score that next goal in the third period, you know, then we might have an opportunity. And, you know, we were able to do that on a power play. And then Mike scored, you know, shortly after that. And then all of a sudden you were extremely uncomfortable because now you were winning and (laughs) there's 10 minutes to go in the game and you knew how powerful and how potent they were. And, uh, you know, it was like time stopped there for a long period of time. But we ended up getting to the finish line and, you know, certainly the rest is history. Now you parlayed a great career with the Badgers into a long NHL career. 1984 All-Star in the NHL. Was there a moment or um, a goal or anything like that that was particularly special in your NHL career? Well, I think, uh, you know, obviously playing an All-Star game and, you know, you're playing against Gretzky and and playing with, uh, you know, all the best players that uh, the NHL provided that time was something unique. Uh, Almost won a car that night. Uh, My line line mate actually won the car. Uh, He ended up What kind? What kind? I don't know what kind of car he got. I think it was a, a, a hot Mustang or something. I'm not Ooh. sure what it was, but uh, you know, at that flashy. time we weren't making you know anywhere near the money these guys make today. So you know, if you would have got a car, it would have been a pretty cool thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, there were certainly moments within the, the time I played up there that uh, were, were special. Uh, being you know the captain for the Hartford Whalers for a couple of years was yeah. something unique and certainly challenging, but something special. But uh, again, uh, you know, learning in Pittsburgh and getting a feel of what it was like to eventually become what I call a pro hockey player uh, and trying to make a career out of it instead of a pit stop. And so, you know, at my size and my weight, uh, there weren't a lot of players uh, at that time that they were getting a chance to do that. So, you know, a lot of good memories, a lot of good uh, pit stops, uh, a lot of good coffee and bagels along the way at Minnesota (laughs) and St. Louis. But uh, obviously playing in New Jersey the last five or six years was something that was unique and we had a great playoff run coming off uh, an Olympic year where we got Sean Burke from the Canadian team, um, and we got on a run, and you know we ended up playing in a couple seven-game series, uh, and eventually lost to Boston uh, in, in the seven game, seventh game in Boston. Uh, if we had won that game, we would have played Gretzky in the Oilers for the mm-hmm. Stanley Cup. But uh, you know it, it was a lot of good memories. Yeah. Um, following your career, now you got to coach. Um, I'm seeing here you coach the Madison Monsters. I'm not sure what what league that's in, um, but you got your coaching start and then finally ended up coaching the women's team here in 2002. Did you always know you wanted to coach? Um, and then give us a little background on the Madison Monsters. I'm not I'm not familiar with that. No idea. Come on, yeah. that's some of the worst jerseys you've ever seen. And so, uh, I, I yeah, when I finished up, uh, you know, come back to Madison, I had to finish up going to school. I still had a year left uh, before I could graduate. Got my degree and then. Uh, you know, you sit back and say, what do you want to do? Do you want to go get a job somewhere or do you want to stay in hockey? And so I thought, uh, you know, hockey would probably be the best avenue to see what it was going to be like uh, to be a coach and what opportunities might it present itself. And so as I was going to school, uh, you know, I was a high school coach at Verona for a year. And then uh, the Madison Monsters at that time, uh, you know, the old International Hockey League going on, uh, which was go. the main, main step of the, uh, you know, NHL's minor league team and then you know below that uh, you know you had these other minor league teams and so uh, you know that's where the Monsters became uh, part of Madison for I think uh, five years and I actually coached in general manager 
uh, equipment guy, did about everything he could do uh, to work mm. with a hockey team. And it was a great experience. Uh, I actually had five Russians on my team at the time. And, oh. Uh, good players, uh, good experience, uh, taught me, uh, you know, a lot of little things if I was going to be successful in coaching to do. Uh, and after that first season with them, uh, you know, an assistant coaching job uh, came open in, in Madison here at Wisconsin, and uh, Jeff Sauer hired me, and so I spent six years on the boys' side. And then uh, when Jeff retired, uh, you know, obviously it would have been nice to step into the head coaching position, but it didn't work out. They hired Mike Eaves. Uh, and I was fortunate that time uh, I actually coached in a world championship uh, on the men's side that uh, spring and uh, got an opportunity to work with some NHL players and uh, coach at that level for a while. And sort of trying to figure out if I was wanted to go coach in the NHL, which had a couple opportunities, or, you know, all of a sudden the opportunity on the women's side came and made some phone calls, uh, sat back, tried to figure out if, uh, you know, if I went on that side uh, of the aisle and started coaching women, could I come back and coaching men? Bottom line is I ended up getting the gig and, you know, still doing it 17 years later. And uh, in my wildest dreams, never thought it would provide certain opportunities that have come to me uh, coaching and winning some national championships, getting an opportunity to put together a team uh, and take them up in 2010 and playing the Winter Olympics in Vancouver. Uh, my daughter's got a chance to play for me. They're playing. So a lot of unbelievable things came out of it and as I look back uh, you know it was a great decision that I made uh, getting a chance to run my own program and try to build it uh, up and, and see what it was going to be like and as I reflect back and see the rink we play in the fan support we have on some of the things we've been able to do here with that group is uh, pretty wild. You mentioned some of the success you've had here um, with UW in your coaching career you've won four national championships You've won the regular season of WCHA seven times, the WCHA tournament another seven times. Um, you could win a silver medal at the Winter Olympics, coaching the uh, U.S. women's team in 2010 up in Vancouver. Um, you've had some incredible success. Uh, maybe we just want to talk a little bit about this year's team. You know, you got Emily Clark back from playing in the Olympics last year. You guys are off to a good start. What can uh, we expect, I guess, from your team this year? Hopefully uh, we get healthy as we speak today. Uh, Emily Clark's been out for probably four and a half weeks now. Uh, hopefully we'll get her back here in the next week or so. But you know, as we approach this season, uh, you know, we had a lot of good personnel coming back off a very young team that we had last year. But yet uh, was a team that was very successful. Got to the national tournament. Uh, you know, came within a game of the championship. Uh, a game against uh, our team that beat us the year before uh, Clarkson uh, down in St. Louis in the national championship game a game you know that in most nights uh, we had a pretty good chance to win but mm -hmm. their goalie played great and then last year losing in double, in double overtime in the seven, semifinal game again it's those experience that players can come back uh, build on and I thought over the course of the summer and early part of the season uh, you could you know see that the, you know players are, are pretty focused uh, you know they want to take that next step compared to what we did last year and so with Emily Clark coming back Annie Pankowski coming back uh, then Shirley girl who spent last year up in Calgary playing with the, the pro team up there you know and I knew she was going to have an impact and you know has played well up to this point so there's a lot of good pieces um, that each team needs to have if, uh, if they're going to have a chance to be successful uh, in the early part of the season, uh, you sh we've showed that we're capable of playing at a real high level. Now, you guys have made the Frozen Four the, since 2013, but haven't quite reached the pinnacle. Is there is there anything more than just puck luck at this point to really get over that hump and finally win that fifth national title? Yeah, it's it's, it's been an interesting ride the last four or five years, where you know we felt good about where we're at, uh, especially down in St. Louis, going up against Clarkson. 
uh, you know, but, you know, their goaltender played well. They got a timely goal, and, uh, you know, we missed some golden opportunities. And when you get into these one-and-done games, that can happen quite often, whether it's in hockey or whether it's in basketball at the college level. You know, if you're just a little bit off or the other team's just a little bit maybe more lucky or gets a couple bounces, uh, your season ends real fast. Mm-hmm. And so you always would like to get into, you know, the NHL or NBA mode where you play the best out of seven because usually, you know, the better team wins over that course of time. But uh, that's the fun part about it. You know, it's uh, it's frustrating. It's disappointing to the players that you're losing that particular year. But uh, the group coming in and the next freshman class that comes in gets an opportunity to do the same thing. So, you know, uh, you try to build, you try to get yourself in a position. And I think a lot of coaches will say, as long as you're playing your best hockey, you know, in the latter part of the season, uh, you know, you're in a position to do that, and then it comes down to, yeah, it might come down to a puck luck. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know last year when we played Minnesota in the quarterfinals, you know, we had played them six times that year, and, uh, you know, they were good enough to win the national championship, and uh, we played one of our best games in that quarterfinal game, really limited and, and really played uh, a great game to move on to the national championship and felt good about our games up in uh, Minneapolis in the uh, Frozen Four, but, yeah, it just... Uh, it just doesn't work out, but it doesn't deflate you. It gets you more motivated and fired up for the next go-around. So hopefully the end of the script this year is a little bit different than it has been the last three or four years. <laughs> now, earlier this year, you set the new NCAA record for most wins by coach in NCAA history with 465. What does an honor like that mean to you? Is it something you celebrate or just something you kind of add to the, the long list of accomplishments you've, you've had over your career as you just continue to work with the players and work towards winning uh, a national championship as a team? Probably that more than anything. That I mean, I'm not a big numbers guy. I don't look at stats uh, a lot, and uh, I wasn't aware of uh, actually where I was uh, in that pecking <laughs> order. And so until uh, after the game, I didn't really know about it. But, uh, yeah, you know, I guess probably when uh, you finish your last game coaching, uh, you know, when you got some time to yourself or with your family, you can sort of reflect on – you know, maybe the impact you had on a program or an impact you had on a team or you reflect on, you know, what you did for other people. And so as I look at it now and where I'm at my career in coaching, it's uh, it's more about giving back to, you know, the groups I'm working with, the players I'm involved with and providing them experiences and opportunities and probably most important memories that, you know, they'll take away from their time here at Wisconsin uh, and uh, they'll put it in their toolbox and, and move on with life and look back and reflect and had a great time. And if I can be a part of that, uh, I think that's sort of uh, you know something I look at pretty heavily right now and trying to do that. Last question from me. Um, you mentioned you got to coach your, your daughter here. Um, your son Patrick played for the men's team. You have two more kids that played college hockey at Augsburg. Um, how rewarding is it to see your your um, kids play college hockey and then was it tough coaching Michaela um, like 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 your uh, you played for your dad um, did she ever say like hey dad like back off like how, how is how is that dynamic uh, it's it's challenging uh, you know and, and depending on what type of player you're dealing with uh, can make it more difficult and more challenging and so I think it's harder on the player than probably the coach I think from the coaching standpoint when you're in the moment, when you're getting the team ready or you're involved in a game, you know, you're generally always doing things that you know, are in the best interest of the team. Mm-hmm. And that's how you sort of look at it. I think when you step away and you're having dinner with uh, that particular person, if I'm having dinner or we're out hanging out with Michaela, uh, you know, I can be a parent and understand what she's going through because I went through it. Uh, it's harder on the player because uh, I know early on there were games where she didn't dress. Uh, you know, we had extra players and there were some nights she went dressed and then you go in the crowd and, 
you know, people make, you know, silly remarks, uh, you know, what's your dad mad at you? Is that why you're not dressing? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that can be hard on, on the individual. And certainly early on, it was probably challenging for her. But again, when you you step away and you look back now that she's graduated and the friendships that she developed and some of the experiences she had and, and some of the memories she takes away, I think, you know, the good outweigh the, the bad nights. And so uh, uh, you look at it that way. And as I told Patrick, uh, when I found out that my jersey was going to get retired, I said, well, it's not my jersey, it's yours too. So <laughs> his number 10 is going up to the rafters too. So he was laughing about that. But it, it was all good. And the underlying thing is they've got their degrees. Uh, they've had great memories. Uh, you know, they've had great friendships with players that they played with and things that they look back. And, uh, you know, you never... I mean, you look at our Olympic team, and no one cares who scored or who was the leading yeah. scorer, who was the backup goalie. I mean, uh, he was, you know, there were one in 20 players that walked away with a gold medal, and I know the national championship team that I played on here. Uh, when you get together with them, it's never about goals and assists. It's never about who played or who didn't play. It's, you know, you look at their rings, and they all look the same. Last question uh, for me before we let you go. Um, obviously, you just talked about how the, the family involvement here at UW, from your dad to your brother to yourself to your kids, what does the University of Wisconsin mean to you and your family? Well, I think it's meant uh, a great deal. Uh, it provided opportunities not only to play, uh, but to work and, and do it for a long period of time. And, uh, you know, I just look at hockey in general. Uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to play uh, here at Wisconsin then get an opportunity to play and make a living and now get a chance to coach and make a living. And so you look at the game and what it's done and meant to our family, whether it's my dad uh, here at Wisconsin or up in Calgary, the five years he spent there in Pittsburgh for the short time winning a Stanley Cup. And, the impact that he had on a lot of young players and uh, a lot of individuals themselves. Uh, uh, very fortunate, uh, you know, that one game can provide so many opportunities to one family. Well, Mark, for myself, just want to say thank you very much for, for taking the time to sit down and talk with us. We, uh, we really appreciate it. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, thanks, Mark. We really appreciate it, and uh, good luck the rest of the season. Hopefully you guys can uh, bring it home the national championship. Stay healthy, healthy and, uh, yeah, hopefully we get a chance to take a run at it. That was your Badger women's hockey head coach, Mark Johnson. If you missed any of the show, if you missed the interview, you just joined halfway. Check us out on iTunes, at Beyond the Badgers. We'll have the show up posted. You can check out everything you need to know, including some hot takes that we're going to provide after the break. I'm a champion. It's not your normal PSA. Don't be stupid. Don't drink and drive. If you're going to go out and have a good time, it's fine. But designate a driver to drive home. Let's stop the madness. Don't drink and drive. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Beyond the Badgers here on 91.7 FM WSUM in Madison. Let's get a little recap of the Week 10 that was in the NFL starting Thursday night where the Steelers demolished the Panthers, as Doug said. Peter, your thoughts on this game? Um, I mean, I thought it was – the spread was, I think, four minus four. It was tight. It was tight. I took the Panthers and got destroyed. Steelers look explosive. Their defense actually looked great for the first time in a very, very long time. And if their defense can come together – uh, they're dangerous. They're dangerous, Dan. They are, in fact, dangerous. James Conner, a little banged up, but we'll see. Ben Roethlisberger, five touchdowns in the 52-21 win. On to Sunday, as we mentioned before, the Bears defeated the Lions to keep hold of the NFC North 
lead 34 to 22. Mitchell Trubisky, three touchdowns, 355. Can the Bears be stopped? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think teams have proven Can that. They? I mean, they went into Lambeau and they thought they had a dub, and then ooh, ooh here comes Aaron. Here uh, comes gave them the the metaphorical smoke. So, I mean, they look good right now. Uh, that defense is unbelievable, and their offense is clicking. But I know the Bears have been watching them for you know 22 years, and they'll they'll find a way to just they blow it. they absolutely will. The defense, Khalil Mack, is an absolute animal. Animal. Look out for the Bears, even though our teams, the Packers and the Vice, respectively, will finish ahead of them. <laughs> Saints put up a 50-burger. 50-burger. On the Bengals, 51-14. Drew Brees, one touchdown away from taking over the all-time touchdown pass lead. Is he the best quarterback you have ever seen in your lifetime, Peter? Um, He's pretty good. <laughs> He's sick. He's ageless. Um I've always loved Drew Brees. He's one of those players. I, I nice. haven't talked to a single person who's just like, oh, I hate Drew Brees. He's sick. Great guy. Family guy. Um, that being said, Aaron Rodgers throws the best football in the league. Yeah, he's pretty Not good. even close. Is Drew Brees the most liked athlete, do you think? I mean, he's got to be up there. I don't know a single person who hates Drew Brees. He is. Dubs, you like Drew Brees? Um, I'm still thinking about 2009, so I don't really. That was on Brett. 2009 was like 50 years ago. What happened? That was on Brett. That was on Brett. Um, but Drew Brees, class guy. I mean. Besides that, not much against him. And like you guys said, one of the best ever. So he's a pretty likable guy. The Browns get Ooh. another win at home. They win 28-16 over the Falcons. Baker Mayfield threw three touchdown passes. Nick Chubb, a 92-yard dash. Ooh. Who is the bigger story, Falcons blowing it or Browns winning it? I mean, I really didn't think the Falcons were that good to begin with. Um, really? Yeah, I mean – what are they? Four and five. They are yeah. four and five. They're they're they're, they're not good. Um, I don't know. I don't. I think in the red zone they're trash. I don't think Matt Ryan's very good. And Baker said he woke up feeling dangerous. He was feeling dangerous. When, whenever you have a quarterback feeling dangerous, I felt dangerous when I when I wake up. How did it end up? Did you throw three touchdown passes? It usually just ends with like me on the toilet or something. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. So um, I played with the Browns before. Good segue. Good segue. <laughs> the Browns defeat the Falcons twenty eight six. Upset of the day, the Titans defeat the Patriots 34-10. to Tom Brady, not great. Only not elite, definitely not 54 yards passing. Do we panic in uh, New England? And don't sleep on the Titans. Can they win the AFC South? I mean, um, there was some crazy stat that came out. said, like, Belichick against, like, five assistant coaches has lost every single game. It's interesting. It's very interesting. I mean, if you're if you have a coach who can – Read Belichick. Maybe he's not that good of a coach if he's that readable. He's lost to every assistant coach he's played uh, against. That's that's a hot he take. lost to the Lions. That's bad. To the Lions. That's bad. So maybe the Super Bowl team should just recruit uh, an assistant coach, and then would you would you pick the, the Patriots to get to the Super Bowl right now? I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think if you don't pick that, you're you're stupid. They always they always find a way. I think it's going to be very important for them to try and secure home field advantage. I think if they go yeah. in Arrowhead. And They're not going to win. Um, it's not going to end well for them. AFC South matchup. The Colts defeat the Jaguars 26-29. The big uh, story was the fumble as the Jaguars were driving to make the attempt the game tying field goal. Are the Jaguars done? The Jaguars are done. Kill them? Kill them. Kill them. They're over. I think uh, Andrew Luck is having a season. He's having a good season. And Eric Ebron had, like, every touchdown in that game. Yeah, three touchdowns for Eric Ebron. Really, really selfish that he didn't give 
any rushing yards or touchdown to Marlon Mack. Yeah, that who was. was sitting in my flex spot. Uh, really, really selfish. It's all about you, huh? Huh? Nothing. Chiefs defeat the Cardinals 26 to 14. Patrick Mahomes continues continues, excuse me, his tear. Dobbs, look up how many passing touchdowns Mahomes have because it's an out, outrageous amount. I think he's at like 33. Yeah, that. While you're looking that up, I got a crazy stat. Chiefs he's at um, 31 for the year. <laughs> That's a lot. Wow. Here, here's a crazy stat for you. Uh, Chiefs were 9-0 and on the coin toss coming into that game. Yes. And they lost that coin toss. Um, they still won, but I think, you know, Casey Rams coming up, I think you see which way that, that coin lands and you live bet. You have the to. The team who wins it, right? You have to. We had a Matt Barkley sighting in New York. He defeated the Jets 41-10 to for the Buffalo Bills. The Jets are dead. Can we fire Todd Bowles right uh, now or at the end of the season? <laughs> I think the Jets are – I was talking to my buddy who's a Jets fan. Uh, I think he said that they don't typically fire uh, no. head coaches midseason. I mean, they're just garbage. Just If I'm the head coach, just have them tank. Like they need to just tank, get like a, get a great, good player. get a great first round pick. I like that. Um, also, R.I.P. to Nathan Peterman. Uh, yeah, he was like, go. Moment of silence. Moment of silence. Spin zone though, most efficient quarterback in NFL history. Matt Barkley. No, no, no. Nathan, Nathan Peterman. Peterman. I mean, if you flip his yeah, he would touchdown be. to interception ratio to an intercep- interception to touchdown ratio. People forget. It's pretty nice. People forget. People forget. Just trying to keep you conscious. In a game that close. we will not touch on because I was watching red zone, they didn't even. Blink at this game. The Redskins defeated the Buccaneers 16-3. to thir- to three, Excuse me. They lead the NFC East. Kind of nice. Whatever. My Chargers 20-6 to six over the Raiders. John Gruden stinks. Stinks. Derek Carr stinks. Why are they your Raiders? No, my Chargers. I picked them to beat oh, the sorry. Chiefs oh. in the AFC West. All right. That's an easy pick. I'm not impressed. What? I'm not impressed. You're crazy. Your Packers defeated the Dolphins 31-12. to A.A. Ron. Pretty nice going uh, two touchdowns, but the story for me, free Aaron Jones. Aaron free Jones, Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones was freed. So nice. 45 yards and two touchdowns. What do you think about your pack from Sunday? Um, I just placed a nice little $20 bet on them to win the Super Bowl. Stupid. Um, definitely very, very stupid, but I think it's a lock. Um, yeah. When we get to our locks, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slip that in there. I like that. Rams defeat the Seahawks in a battle of the West, 36-31. to Jared Goff, 316 and two touchdowns. Todd Gurley, clinical as usual, 120 yards and touchdown on mm-hmm. the ground. Sunday night football was the big story. The Cowboys defeated the Eagles 27 to 20. What's going on with the Eagles? Oh boy, who knows? Um, but they are absolute garbage. I mean, Defense losing to the Cowboys bad. at home is absolutely humiliating. I still think though, Jason Garrett, that was the game of his Unexcusable. I mean I mean, Garrett needed to win that game and he did, um, but he is still in the hot seat. I just think those are two garbage teams duking it out. Um, Eagles defense has not been as good as it was promised before the season. Yeah, It's a problem. It's a big yeah, problem. It's a big problem, but who cares? Last night, the New York Giants actually won a game. They defeated the San Francisco 49ers 27-23. to OBJ, two touchdowns, and nobody cares. Dubs, quickly, let's go through the Week 11 picks. Give us as quick as possible. All right, Thursday night we got Fromm's Packers going to CenturyLink against the Seahawks. I'll let you go first. You're the guest. Thank you. Um, I'm actually really nervous about this game because Seattle ran it for like 300 yards in L.A. Um, I'm still going to pick the pack, and also I'm going to hammer the over. Yeah, I'll take the Seahawks. All right, um, Dallas against Atlanta. 
I like Atlanta. No way the C- the Cowboys will ba- bounce back after a big one. Yeah, I like Atlanta too. I also uh, I like the over in that game. Okay. Um, Carolina goes to Detroit. Give me the ooh. How Cam is this even a question? Cam Newton. Give me the Panthers. Yeah, I think the Panthers too. Um, and also, I like the over. Titans going to Indianapolis to take on Andrew Luck and the Colts. This is gonna be a this is gonna be a uh, sleep spot for the Titans coming off a big win. They're gonna lose. Give me the Colts. I actually like that take too. Um, I think I like the Colts here, and people are sleeping. You know, they say the defenses are good, but the over is gonna smack. The two and seven Giants looking to build off another win, playing Tampa Bay. I promised on this show I would never pick the Giants again. Shout out my uncle. Give me the Bucks. Um. I like the Bucks, and I'm going to take the under on this one. Oh, I'm kidding. Man. I'm kidding. Take the over. Hammer the over. Um, and then a pair of six and three teams matching up, Texans against Redskins. Give me the Texans. Yeah, give me the Texans and an alternate spread, like minus six and a half. Also the over. Steelers going to Jacksonville, rematch of the divisional playoffs. Now, this is going to surprise you. Give me the Jags. Even though they're in absolute turmoil, give me the Jags. That's a dumb pick. I'm going to go Pittsburgh and probably the over. Yeah, I think I'm going to go the over. Uh, Bengals going to Baltimore to play the Ravens. Give me the uh, Baltimore's going to win that. Joe Flacco might not play. I don't care. Give me the Ravens. Uh, bad pick. 92% of the money is on Baltimore in this game. 92%. That's a lot. That's a lot. Hey. Hammer Cincinnati. Yeah, I like that, actually. And the over. Stinker of the week. We got the Raiders against the Cardinals. Cardinals eat to, on Sunday against the Ra- Oakland Raiders. Yeah, I also like the Cardinals and the over. Okay, Broncos in L.A. against the Chargers. Chargers is pretty easy. Go to the next one. Yep. Eagles, Saints, big game for the Eagles. Oh, Saints are Saints are gonna be them. Yeah. Over. Okay. Sunday night battle in the NFC North, Minnesota against Chicago. Minnesota. I mean it's gotta be Minnesota. Chicago. Over. All right. Finally a dandy on Monday night. The Chiefs against the Rams. Give me the Rams. They will win. Chiefs are overrated. Really? Chiefs and I'm actually gonna go the under on this one. Interesting. All right. Peter, give me your locks of the week. Uh, we got we got Yale Harvard this week. Battle of the losers of the nerds. Hammerly under. Those nerds can't score. They're focused on physics and whether they left the lights on at home. Nerds Swirly. under. Hammer the under. How about in the NFL? In the NFL, uh, like I said, I like a lot of the overs. The over under in the NFL right now is seventy four and seventy four on the season, which is just ridiculous. I have it from an inside source though that the scales are going to tip upwards and the overs <laughs> are going to smack. Every single over he likes. For my locks in the NFL, I like Minnesota plus three. I think they're going to win that game outright. Sprinkle a little money line on that. <laughs> L.A. Rams minus two and a half. No way they would lose. And then to buy yourself something nice in college football, Maryland 16 and a half. Utah State, Colorado State over. SMU's got to get to a bowl. They're going to go and maybe win against Memphis plus eight and a half. And then Minnesota, I hate picking the Gophers, but they're going to cover two and a half against Northwestern, because Northwestern season's over. They already made it to the Big Ten Championship. Sprinkle a little money line. See that? Sprinkle a little money he's line. Sprinkling. On you can't see it, but he's thinking bad radio. Um, I got one last lock for you guys. Uh, I want you to parlay Purdue money line with Minnesota money line against the Badgers. Yikes! Free money. Hammer it. Lock it in, and also hammer the overs. Parlay those two. That's all we got. Thanks for listening on WSUM ninety-one point seven FM here in Madison. It's a little bit of hiding That's all it takes